The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for stopping by this show. We are always glad to have you. Today, we got a special guest in the studio with me. Uh, somebody we've had police week and everything else, and we've got someone who knows policing very, very well. And he's also been on the side of being a U.S. Marshal at some point in time. And so he's been all around, but he's taking a new role right now. And he's now the executive director of the D.C. Police Foundation. We're going to find out about the D.C. Police Foundation today and the good work they do. But Patrick A. Burke, he's here. He's running this show right now. He's been around D.C. police for 27 years, I believe. Right. And then also then you were uh, uh, U.S. Marshal under uh, the Obama administration working right. there. And we've got also his uh, 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 business. Deve- well, t- Rebecca, tell me exactly the title. So I'm our development and operations development director. operations director. She's Rebecca Schwartz. She's here in the studio with us as well. So they're going to both be telling us about all the great things about the D.C. Police Foundation. What are they doing and all the great work? You know, Patrick, talk to us about really, you know, some of the history. A lot of times with these foundations and people hear D.C. Police Foundation. So they oftentimes wonder, what exactly is that? What do you guys do? And I say, hey, you're here to help the police, right? A lot of times say people, the police are here to help the people, but you're here to help the police. What do you guys do? Right. And thanks so much for having us, Derek. And, And actually, what we do, it is simple. We're helping the police, but we're helping the police to build strong community relations. And that's really what's at the core of successful police departments. And as Chief Newsham will will say every time I hear him speak in public, if we don't have the res- respect and trust of the communities we serve, then we're not successful as police officers. So uh, with the youth programs that we do, especially with you know some of the adverse situations happening and are impacting police community relationships around the country, we have to do that work every single day in our communities to build that trust and restore trust in some cases. You know, you've seen kind of the, the policing for many, many years. What's your thoughts in terms of policing? We just came through Police Week, and we've got a number of different things. As you mentioned, there's a unique time in policing right now in terms of maybe some people have lost trust in what that means, right? What have you seen throughout the years of your time on the force and kind of even going into the federal side with the U.S. Marshals? What have you seen that's, that's been kind of good in terms of transition to police? And what have you seen that kind of maybe needs to change, that we need to kind of maybe take a new thought in terms of policing as we deal with this current generation? Right. And, and I think it really comes back to getting back to the basics. It's a great time for policing, I think, with the uh, burgeoning technology. I think it opens a lot of opportunities for police departments to do good things, but with good policy as well. But when you think about police work and getting back to the origins of policing and Sir Robert Peel, the police are the people, the people are the police, we really have to work with communities. If we go back to those 80 mentalities that we had of snitches get stitches and a lack of cooperation from the public. And once again, that comes from a lack of trust in the police. Then we're not going to have homicide closure rates or closed robberies or other crimes because people don't want to talk to police. They handle it on their own. So I think that is one of the opportunities and challenges. But I think society's changed as well. When you think about when I came to D.C. in the late 80s, early 90s, Chief Newsham, Chief Lanier, Um, a lot of some of the senior folks on the department. Now, we were in the height of a crack epidemic. 
Uh, they hired a number of officers in those years, and it, it was violent. Uh, we had years where we were close to 500 homicides oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in D.C. was Murder City at one point in time. Murder capital yeah. of the world, Is the that? city of unsolved homicides, right. which we were all ashamed of. Yeah. The department had a very poor budget. We were scraping for toilet paper in our own bathrooms, uh, working to get our cars on the street. So things have changed. There's been a lot of investment in the city, and, and it's changed uh, for the good and in some ways in the bad as well, too, with, with some challenges that we currently have, especially affordable housing. Right, right, um, right. So, I mean, D.C. is kind of changing right now in terms of really is some people say it's becoming the land of the rich, right? That, you know, a lot of people and then even in other districts that, you know, the 6th and 7th district, we're seeing a kind of an evolution, right, where housing just constantly going up and people wondering where, where are people going to be able to stay if I don't make that kind of money? That's a great point. And when you think about – you know, some of the core employees in D.C., your police officers, your firefighters, your teachers. Yeah. Right now, only about 16 percent, that's one six, live in the city. Right. It's, it's expensive right. it to is. live here. It's it a is. challenge. And, you know, when officers have to drive 45 minutes an hour to get to work, it's, it's a challenge. It impacts morale, and it's, right. it, it right. is a huge challenge. Right. So I know the mayor, um, I'm glad to see, has allocated money toward that mm-hmm. issue. And we're working through the foundation and uh, people like Tom Gallagher, uh, ENG, and some of our corporate partners to find solutions for police officers mm-hmm. to have houses in the city or have an opportunity to purchase a house in the right. city as well. And when you think about community policing, isn't it nice to have an officer living, down the street in, from you? understands your community who Absolutely. lives there, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you, you bring up an important point because you mentioned the, the transitions of, of, of how things were. And I remember D.C. and I'm from Detroit. So, you know, they, they were kind of going through the same things at the same kind of time. And so, you know, when you look at that, everybody always thinks, well, you know, why, why is not tax dollars taking care of, you know, all of this stuff, you know, and, and why do we need an, an additional organization to try to do this kind of stuff? And people always don't really realize that taxpayer dollars don't take care of everything, right? I mean, is that what the reason why you guys came to us? Especially when you look at youth programs mm-hmm. and really what the foundation does is meet those unmet mm-hmm. public safety needs. So uh, the city does a good job of making sure the officers well, are well-equipped and well-trained, although we'll help them with our corporate sponsors there as well. But there are some, especially when it comes to youth programs, where we can help work with the grants. Or, you know, we're very fortunate in D.C. to have so many great corporations that care about our young people and the city and the safety of the city and do so much to make sure that the police officers, many of them on their own time, who work with youth, have the resources to do wonderful things and build positive experiences. Right, right, right. You know, and when kind of going back to you guys' history, when was this founded? I mean, I know you were kind of around during that time when, when the, the D.C. Police Foundation was founded with the city, Federal City Council and all the other kind of pieces. Was this kind of founded out of people coming together and seeing, like what you just mentioned, this need and kind of saying, well, listen, how do we – kind of gap. We got this gap right here where we're not able to provide the money for the youth programs. We've got operational dollars, right? But we need some additional money to do some of these other things. Well, that was kind of the the foundation of great minds kind of coming together and saying, listen, let's do this in this way. When I think of, and you mentioned the great minds, (laughs) I really have to attribute our success in the founding of the Police Foundation comes back to Chief Ramsey, Mm. who came to D.C. in 1998 after we were were struggling. Right. Um, and Mayor Anthony Williams, okay, okay. who really founded the Police Foundation, continues to serve on our board, mm, and uh, is a is a great mind. Yeah. So we yeah. have so much. I think, right. you know, as a city resident, yeah. I have so much uh, 
of my personal and, life yeah, yeah. as as Chuck Ramsey was a mentor to me, continues to be a mentor to me, and Anthony Williams, who we're fortunate to work with as he runs the federal city council who we're sharing space with. Yeah, exactly. You know, as as you guys are kind of, you know, thinking about certain things and we're in a time of policing where we kind of talk about community engagement. I mean, you just kind of mentioned about kind of the reestablishment. It seemed like maybe police departments had kind of went away from the foot officer, right? The full stride officer, right? The officer just kind of now it was more the officer just kind of riding, riding around in a car all the time and didn't really get to know the community. Right. Are we moving, especially in D.C., right, do you see that we're moving back? And then with, even with the resources, with the youth programs, you really can't establish a good program if they don't know you. Right. They got to kind of you have to kind of walk around and get to know the people so that one day you can say, listen, hey, we're going to bring this program in here. And they don't think that people are trying to watch them and everything else. Are we moving back to a time where community policing has to be kind of the number one priority of a police agency, just maybe around the world and around the nation? I I think it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But in D.C., I know from Chief Newsham's perspective, it's a priority. Okay to make sure that officers are out there interacting with people. And really think about it from from your perspective, from anyone's perspective. Don't you just want to know if you've got a problem, the officer on your beat, somebody you can talk to, somebody who knows what your kid's doing or – Hey, you forgot to close your garage door. Right. Uh, it's, they it's, know the names. Absolutely. They know the names of the people, Miss Johnson, Miss Williams, yeah. whatever the case is, right? And so when, I think one of the challenges, I'm sure when I was a rookie, people would say, oh, you know, they were, we had a lot of Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. I, I was trained by a wonderful mm-hmm. Vietnam veteran. And they probably said, man, these rookies, they think they know everything. So we, I kind of laugh now and mm-hmm. we're like, these rookies, they're all on their phones. Right. They don't right. talk to right. people. Right. So we do have to work on that interaction, those interpersonal skills, yeah. Um, to look somebody in the eye and have that positive relationship with uh, somebody. And I, one of the things that I really love that the chief did and uh, the motto that MPD has adopted, here to help. Yeah. And really that goes to the core of what policing is. You know, you think most people really don't see the police that often. Uh, a lot of times it's a situation where maybe you get a traffic ticket, not a great thing because you're great getting, yeah, right. Right. it hurts to get that ticket. But if you have that one bad day, um, you know, you're, dog ran away or you're going through a tough divorce or there's some sort of argument that happens in the house. And it might be that one time in five years or your life where you call the police and you have that interaction. And they actually help you. They, that's what we have to yeah. do. And, yeah. and, you know, obviously we have to arrest people and there's bad yeah. things that can happen, but every interaction is an opportunity to help somebody. And I would say that's why this is the greatest career. Right or the greatest profession, as it has become a profession um, in, in more recent years, but you're actually paid to help people. And you have to think of that, you know, if that was your mom, your sister, your daughter in a situation where they're, you know, struggling or a mental health situation, right. the police have to be trained and they have to get in there. And at the core of their mission is to help that That's person right. out. That's right. We're talking to uh, the, the executive director of uh, the D.C. Police Foundation. We're having a good conversation about policing today about what's going on right now, about kind of what is the good and what is the bad? What are some of the changes that we have to implement as we go forward in this society right now? We're talking about the D.C. Police Foundation and what they're doing. We've got Patrick Burke in here. He's executive director. And you've got uh, Rebecca Schwartz in here. She runs the business and operations and development and fundraising and everything else. We're going to get into some of the core of their mission about how people can also get involved with the D.C. Police Foundation and maybe help out in providing some of the resources for these programs, for youth programs and everything else. So we're going to keep on talking about this when we come back. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we are talking about policing. 
We just had Police Week in the city. Uh, it's a national thing and also almost international where people come out from different areas around the world almost to see what's going on and also to pay tribute to those officers who've fallen as well, those who've laid their lives on the line for people and trying to help them. And as mentioned, we're here to help those people really kind of pay the ultimate sacrifice. But we're talking right now to the D.C. Police Foundation. We're talking to Patrick Burke. He's the executive director. And we've got Rebecca Schwartz in here. They, she runs business and fundraising and, and development operations and everything else. And so we're talking to them about what's going on with policing and also about what the foundation is doing to begin helping to police provide some better programs. You know, Patrick, you served and you were assistant chief at MPD. And so you've seen a lot of different things kind of going through there's always been a conversation about kind of the dynamics. And you just mentioned something very, very important about mental health. Everybody's kind of been saying, well, listen, we've seen situations where were we using too much force or did we understand the community? Did we understand that this person was schizophrenic or whatever the case is or things of that sort? You know, what is, is your thoughts, especially as we now know so much more about there are people out there with mental health issues and we need to learn how to address them the right way, maybe de-escalate situations. What's your thoughts on that? And what is MPD done as me, even as you saw this kind of the development of training, I know you helped run training at one point in time. What's been the kind of changes that policing are now implementing right now to deal with these situations? Well, I think police, policing has evolved to the point where we're looking holistically at mental health issues, wherein, you know, years back, if someone was taking their clothes off and ranting on the street, we would just arrest them. Yeah and potentially lock them up for disorderly conduct. Now we're working with behavioral health specialists to deal with some of those challenges and really training the officers as well to understand the different signs of distress with mental health patients as well. So just to give an example, if uh, from a personal experience, I grew up with a father who was bipolar Mm -hmm. and an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, If he had a bad day and started smashing the kitchen table, um, maybe we, we might have concerns about calling the police because he's got a piece of the right. table leg right. and they could shoot him. Right. And that's a real concern that right. a lot of people have. So what we've done in MPD and many agencies have taken on is training officers as crisis intervention officers. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to somebody right. experience a mental health challenge? As I, as I mentioned earlier, when people have that one bad day or they they break, right. something happens that that triggers uh, a negative response, we have to do a better job in how we deal with that situation. So if we're trained to understand the signs of mental illness mm-hmm. and have a better response tactically and in partnership with social service agencies, we can do a lot better because the answer isn't arresting our way out of any problem. Right. We have to work with people, and I think Mayor Bowser's done a good job in the city of bringing in the Department of Behavioral Health, Department of Mental Health, and it's a collaborative response to these types of issues to get folks the help that they need. Right. You know, I, 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 I kind of know a little bit about the department myself, and I know that you kind of helped while you were there, kind of the Tactical Training Center came on board. I mean, talk to us about that. I mean, I know there's a lot of kind of unique training that's going on now with MPD, and it's sometimes being looked at around the world about, hey, what are you guys doing in order to what you just mentioned, that it's become a profession in you know, law enforcement, especially here in D.C., where you're talking about training people to deal with mental health issues and to deal with certain issues, right, is not just knowing the law and arresting somebody. It's using all the tools in the toolkit these days. What's going on at the Tactical Training Center? What's that about? Well, when you think about traditional policing and training specifically, uh, historically it's been, you know, put an officer in the academy for seven or eight months. They learn D.C. code and and the rules and regulations, and you regurgitate it on tests. And then— 
you know, you hit the streets and you do a little in-service training with right. your training officer and roll from there. What we looked at uh, at the police academy in D.C. was really a worldwide review of what are the best practices. So let's take a crime such as urinating in public, mm-hmm. and we'll go back to that mental health case. Right. If I'm an officer and I see somebody that's urinating in public, D.C. code says that's an arrestable charge. Sure. It's $25, so I arrest that person. We take them to the police station, and maybe they pay out, maybe they don't. But let's look at it holistically. What if that person has some mental health issues? Are we solving anything by taking an officer off the street, arresting a person and stigmatizing that person who might just need help? So there's other ways of looking at it. And what we really looked at and implemented was what we'd call scenario-based training. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to discretion right. because police officers do have a, a wide discretion. range of discretion. Right. And there are certain crimes like domestic violence where we're uh, a lot Mandated. more yeah, yeah. To make stringent in yeah. what we do. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good reasons behind that. But there's a lot of, especially when you think of disorderly conduct charges and quality of life crimes, where police officers have great discretion, and we need to teach them to make better decisions. Right. And we were very fortunate, and selfishly, one of my reasons for working with the foundation is when I was uh, the Homeland Security Chief uh, in the early 2000s, or into the late 2000s, um, Chief Lanier put me on the board as an ex officio member of the police foundation mm. to work on training in a training facility. So we were very fortunate. Uh, one of our current board chairs, Terry Straub, who was a, an executive with mm-hmm. U.S. Steel, yeah. put us in touch with a pro bono architect. And they did about a quarter of a million dollars worth wow. of pro bono work on designing a facility right. where our officers could train. And when you think about the proliferation and active shooters yeah. in America, we didn't have the, the resources in MPD and the training facilities right. to accommodate that. So with the help of our SWAT team and some subject matter experts throughout the department and looking at other uh, agencies and what they had, FBI, Donna Quantico is, is one good example. We were able to build this 34,600-square-foot facility, wow. which now trains every single D.C. Police, police officer, not just the ones in the academy, but officers that right. come through. And not just D.C. police, but the numerous agencies right. the here. Marshals, every, every Marshals, including through. D.C. Fire, wow. who come in okay. uh, as part of Rescue Task yeah. Force and some other things yeah. as well. So it has been... Um, monumental in changing the way that we do our training. And I always uh, give a special shout out mm-hmm. to uh, Council Member Phil Mendelson, the okay. council chair, who really pushed to make sure we secured that money. And that, and he saved lives by wow. doing that because wow. our officers do a better job in these situations. And right. we haven't lost an officer in D.C., right. Right. Uh, in about a decade, yeah. and that's for the seventh largest police department in the country. That's that's pretty good work. That's a blessing, and it, and it also mentions to what you were just saying about what the foundation's role is. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, even just getting someone with that subject matter expertise to help do that pro bono work. I mean, that's probably millions of dollars, of hundreds of thousands of dollars that were saved yeah, by the city right there, just by a foundation kind of saying, "Listen, we've got some connections." And we can make some things happen in combination with everybody working together here, you know. And and so, I mean, just right there kind of says, hey, listen, this is what the foundation work is about. And we know in D.C. there's so many wonderful corporate sponsors that, you know, see the chief and they're passionate about the city and they want to see the city safe and they want to help. Right. So when right. they right. ask how can we help the police department, right. 
support the foundation, right. support our youth, support, right. help us help the police. Exactly, and it builds a better quality of life in the D.C. area and everything else. You know, when, when uh, something just came to mind because we, we all are looking on our phones and everything else. What's your thoughts on social media and, and now with policing and just, you know, how, I mean, you know, sometimes we have Instagram pages, and I know D.C. police is very social media, uh, you know, uh, kind of savvy. You know, they got the Twitter pages and Instagram. How do we use social media in today's policing, I know sometimes we have to use it as an investigative tool, and then sometimes it's a public affairs tool. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I think it has great potential to be used, and I think uh, Dustin Sternbeck, that runs mm-hmm. MPD's uh, yeah. communications office, does a great job. Because I remember a, a quote Ramsey used to always mention about you know the tens of thousands of airplanes that take off mm-hmm. and land safely every day. Mm-hmm. But you only hear about the plane crash right. in the newspaper, right. and that's the reality right. of, of media. Right. You, you typically only hear the negative stories, exactly. but exactly. they have tens of thousands of interactions, positive interactions on a daily basis. So I think you know the great thing that we can do with social media is show the show great things that police officers are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed and fortunate that I'm in a position where I can see great work uh, that these officers are doing every day. Mm-hmm. Jason Medina with youth baseball, Greg Evely with football, Tiffany Wiggins with young women's mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. These are officers volunteering their time and doing wonderful things. I was uh, with Captain Boatler in one of the summer crime initiative areas in the 7th District right. uh, this past week where they did a yard crashing yeah, party. I saw that piece, and you were helping some veterans and everything else out, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a group of MPD officers with some corporate sponsors that helped us out. Uh, with lawn mowers and yard materials and mulch, and this group of officers, as well as uh, some volunteers from the D.C. National Guard, uh, met this volunteer wow. or met this seventy-plus-year-old veteran who right. served in Vietnam on Hamburger Hill. Wow. And uh, man, I that guy History. had a smile from ear to ear. Yeah. And these officers, well, the yeah. team of officers, went in, and I'm like, "Can you guys come right. over and do my lawn?" Right, because right, they right. had it taken care of, and it was just a wonderful event. Uh, and that's the kind of great stuff right. that these officers right. are doing for the community right. every day. And the officers felt proud about it, and everybody felt really, really good. I read the thing, and I saw the pictures, and I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. That, you know, And it needs to get, like you mentioned, I mean, these moments need to get more attention sometimes, right? Because right. you hear that one bad thing, and it destroys you know, the reputation of the whole police department. Everybody starts talking negative, but they don't hear the many interactions day-to-day that, right. you know, around the city. You know, almost 3,000-something officers are doing a lot of great work and doing a lot of great things, you know. Absolutely. And we need to hear more of that right now. And I think it's important for the officers to see that, too. You know, and I it really out of the academy, and I'm glad they're doing work on community projects out of the academy because as an officer, we talk about community relations and community policing. It's not one unit. Right. It's everybody's right. job. It's every single day. So right. if you have a connection to the community, you, you're going to work with people. And, you know, I have to say – I, from the negative perspective, when I went to work in, in Anacostia in 1989 on the midnight shift, yeah. it was more so arresting. And you know what? I, I needed to learn that. You know, it comes along later, and I'm glad we're doing better at teaching officers earlier. Right. But it takes time to learn with. We need the community right. to help us out or we'll never it, be it's successful. It's never going to be successful. I mean, the community is not us against them. Yep. And I think at one point in time, everybody was getting on that kind of us against them mentality. And it's no, it's all of us, right. you know, and it's usually a couple bad seeds out there. If the, if the whole community can come together, then we can maybe deal with that even more effectively. Absolutely. Now, when we talk about, you know, one officer tarnishing the reputation of an entire police department, it hurts police officers more than anyone else because right. you devote your That's life right. 
You would die for a stranger. Right. You would That's take right. a bullet for That's a stranger. Right. When one officer hurts that respect and right. trust or tarnishes that right. badge for us, trust me, the officers, more than anybody else, want that person punished and severely punished exactly. and off our department because it has the potential to hurt us. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're talking about policing. We're talking about policing You know, in, in 2019, going to 2020, into the future. We're talking about what's going on. We're talking about the D.C. Police Foundation, how they're really helping the police department, the Metropolitan Police Department, in terms of the work they do, the work they do in the community, helping young people, you know, building better training scenarios, building a better environment that everybody can operate in there. We're going to talk a little bit more about their programs when we get into the next segment because they've got a whole bunch of programs. And we're going to bring Rebecca in here because she's helping run these programs. And so we're going to talk about what they're doing in the community. And we're going to talk about how you can get involved. When we when we hear this, I want you people to say, listen, let me see if we can get involved and I can join them in some kind of way. I can help a program. I got an idea that I can present to the D.C. Police Foundation. So we want you to get involved as well. We're talking about this right now. We're listening to Federal News Radio on Fed News. We're listening to Federal Access on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. If you just join us, we've been talking about policing. We've been talking about what's going on in terms of policing right now and going into the future. And we've been talking to the D.C. Police Foundation. We've got some great people in studio with us. We've got Patrick Burke. He's the executive director of the D.C. Police Foundation. And we've got Rebecca Schwartz. She runs everything else. So while he's talking and he's being the face of the place, he's, she's running everything else from development, business operations, and everything else. And so we're talking about what's going on and how the D.C. Police Foundation really helps out in terms of MPD and providing programs, unique programs, youth engagement programs, uh, having corporate sponsors who are able to give certain things or provide maybe funding to help programs. So we're talking about how they benefit the city, how they improve the D.C. police and how they pro- improve the quality of life of D.C. as a whole. You know, Rebecca, we didn't get you in here yet. I want to kind of get you in here because you you know, are really kind of you know, looking at a number of different things. You've got a number of programs from the junior cadet to the youth creating change. I want to go through these, okay? But you were mentioning something about when we were just kind of off for a second about how uh, uh, the Tactical Village is being help, helpful for a number of, not just officers, but it's also helping out the community. How is that so? Right. And the Tactical Village, it's it's phenomenal because it's a training facility. And as Pat said, it's absolutely saving lives, but it's also changing perspectives. And that's extremely important to us and to the police department. Um, the department itself put together a community engagement academy that meets. They're in their 12th cohort. We were just at their graduation last week. And what they will do is take community members who are interested in learning more about law enforcement right. through different pieces of the department. And one of the stops is a tactical village. And we do the same with a corporate academy where we invite business community to come in. And while they're there, you see the training that the officers are going through and you're able to feel it and to have that experience and to ask your questions openly. And similarly, we'll take different youth programs over there as well. So it's obviously age appropriate based on the programs that we bring in. But you could have a fifth grader there who wants to learn more about the canines and what a canines do and what does that mean and you know, what What did they say to the dog and yeah. what, what calls what command? And then you'll have some of the high schoolers that want to ask hard questions like in a traffic stop, what should I be doing? Sure. Or when this goes like this, what right. are my rights and what am right. I to do? And we have phenomenal trainers and instructors that will sit down with the kids, with the adults, with the corporate community and talk them through the scenarios and help them better understand mm-hmm. what that actually means and what their day to day looks like. Right. So, you know, it's been phenomenal in that 
it's really helping the community and the youth who we hope might one day become a police officer right. or involved right. in public safety sure. understand what that feels like. You, you know, it's, it's so powerful, and, 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 and Patrick, chime in on this, that when you have a community who understands uh, policing but also understands the laws, understands their rights, you know, and you have both people kind of working together and understand each other, have you found that it makes things better? I mean, the interaction makes it better? It absolutely does. I, I just wish we could touch more people mm. if they understand it. It's really about understanding the other person's sure. perspective. Sure. How does a young sure. black man feel when he's approached by an officer? Right. What if he had a bad interaction previously? Right. Uh, you know, the officers have to think about that as well. Why does an officer want to see your hands on a steering wheel when you walk up and right. you know, people have to realize the hands are what can reach for a gun or a knife and hurt a police officer? So it's really empathy that and understanding, putting yourself into somebody else's shoes and right. what were their maybe prior experiences. You can see why people have some anger right. against police officers. Sure. So it's underst- making sure we're safe but understanding the other person's position. And I think that's the important piece of Mm -hmm. starting very young with Mm -hmm. the programs that we fund. So most people don't realize that MPD has over 130 officers that just work with kids in the schools or with their youth intervention and prevention unit. And those officers are ones that we fortunately spend a lot of our time with, but they care more than anyone you would ever meet about really changing again the perception. And we had done a study years ago that – Fifth grade is the ideal time to mm. start engaging okay. with young students in a very meaningful way because it's right before middle school yeah. where they could be making some questionable yeah. choices and they're faced with a lot of change. They're out there alone a lot, oftentimes. They are. School and everything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So our junior cadet program was created targeting fifth grade. And right now we're in five elementary schools um, throughout the city and they're considered high risk, at risk communities where the schools are. And each week, an officer, one of the school resource officers, mm-hmm. meets with the students for an hour. And there's a 31-week curriculum. Okay. And it's everything from safety to an intro to law enforcement to wow. bullying and self-esteem. And the officers spend the time getting to know the students in their program and in the cohort. And then on top of those meetings, we take them on trips outside of the school to really get them um, to know the officers in a non really professional right. um, student-teacher right. environment. Right. So To see them in a different light. Exactly. Yeah, personal side. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the fall, we'll go out to Maryland to Miller Farms, okay. and we'll all go pumpkin picking with the officers, or we'll go to Gettysburg. Um, next week or two weeks from now, we're actually taking one school of junior cadets who perform the best over the year to New York City for the day. Wow. And we will take their officers and the students. We get up really early in the can morning. I, go? No, just... I know you can <laughs> if you, you want to help chaperone. We always know, looking right? for that. You got to be a chaperone um, now. You, can't you just do, be cool, you right? do. So we go out and you know we go up One World Observatory, and nice. then NYPD meets us and they take them on a tour through Statue of Liberty. And the whole time, the students are taking from this that these officers care about them mm-hmm. and they want to teach them and be with them and right. and learn. So you know, it's a wonderful way to really develop that relationship right. at. 15 Grade. Wow. Well, you, you know, to me, this sounds like a program that needs to be just citywide. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, is it the corporate sponsors that, that help provide for this to, to be able to do this kind of great work? And do and is it more of a matter that you need more corporate sponsors to say, listen, in order to expand this, we need more people involved. We need more resources in order to do this for all fifth graders around the whole city. Right. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it mm-hmm. always comes down to resources. Gotcha. Um, you know, the foundation really sustains through our events, which we always have going on, through membership of the foundation, through donations, through grants. I mean, we write grants. Motorola is a wonderful partner who really funds the junior cadet program. Okay. 
Um, and then we have corporate sponsors, somebody like Walmart, who will donate turkeys, a full turkey meal for Thanksgiving wow. every year for our fifth graders, or LexisNexis, who donates all the accoutrements for that meal. So whether it's donating an item or financial contribution, that that is what makes an impact and what allows you to take kids to Gettysburg and to let them go play in a field for the first time. Because we're talking about students who've never left D.C. They've never left their neighborhood. The first time we went to a farm, some of them asked if the cows were real because they've never seen one. So well, it's always out. amazing to me how you have, and, and you've worked in those districts, Chief, and then, you know, where you in the, you know, maybe sixth or seventh district, Anacostia, other things like that. Some people have never crossed the bridge. Mm-hmm. Some people have never been to Smithsonian before. And, and you have things right in the backyard, you know, so I can even imagine getting out of D.C. If you can't, if you haven't seen it in, in D.C., mm-hmm. getting out to go to New York or go to Pennsylvania, go to Gettysburg and see this history. It's just a powerful experience. It is. And it's mm-hmm. one that we hope that they remember and they associate with law enforcement. Right. Um, because the reality is a lot of them are very afraid when they start the program. Right. They they don't know and their interactions have not been ideal. And by the end, when you see a student who may have been afraid and is now saying, this is my officer yeah. and only yeah. I'm talking to them wow. today, wow. that's when you know that's you've amazing. truly made an impact. That's amazing. You know, talk to us about the Youth Creating Change. What's that about? So Youth Creating Change started in 2014, and this was with the Youth Intervention Unit. And what we saw in some of these very high-risk communities was that these kids have leadership potential. Mm-hmm. It might not be in the best way right they're now, leadership. but they're leaders. They have that personality. So you had officers, probably about 10 of them at the time, who said, can we work with them and can we cultivate this leadership and can we turn it around and give them those positive influence that will really make them have a better lifestyle. So um, it's a it happens twice a year. It's okay. a three-month program. Okay. So we'll have two cohorts a year, 30 youth in the program. And they do all these developmental programs with the officers. So we might go to a high ropes course or you might go out kayaking with the mm-hmm. officer. You're doing community service, working with the veterans. Right. And what we're doing over that time is teaching them financial literacy, teaching them leadership development. And what we have seen since 2014 is now we have the younger siblings of that first group begging to be in the program. Right. <laughs> And again, you're talking about families that right. weren't very comfortable at right. first. And right. now the young siblings, the parents are all showing up for the graduations. That's they amazing. want their student to be involved. And a few of them we've hooked up with jobs in the city afterwards mm-hmm. with some of our corporate partners. Mm-hmm. And and it's really nice to see that they are on a great path. You know, I've seen that. And just looking at your, your website, I've seen where you provided opportunities almost kind of internships or a chance where people can kind of come in and maybe sit at a corporate table, you know, and talk to corporate leaders, right? And they can maybe start now to envision themselves, whether they want to become a police officer or a corporate leader or something else, they can start to see it, right? Right. And that's where, again, the foundation is lucky because we have about 80 um, different businesses that are members of the foundation and they want to be involved in some sort of capacity, and this program, um, one of our programs, Classrooms to Careers, a summer internship program, it's perfect for that because we do know that not every student's going to want to grow up and become a police officer. Right. But if they want to consider a career in public safety or a career in general, we want to guide them through that. Exactly. So our banks will come and they will do that financial literacy workshop with them. Um, we'll have someone come in and talk about communication and social media and the mm-hmm. workplace and what that means. And then they will say, you know, there might be a job at PEPCO or with 
Fort Myer construction or with PNC. And Mm -hmm. these are the steps and what you realistically need to do to get into that position. And we're creating these relationships and this networking opportunity for youth as well as teaching them along the way. Amazing. We're talking to the D.C. Police Foundation. We're talking to Patrick Burke. We're talking to Rebecca Schwartz. She runs a lot of these pieces in terms of, and we're going to even talk about one other program, the Youth Advisory Council, that I want to get into a little bit more. And we also want to talk about how do people join in order, because with all these programs, we got to get more members. we got to get you know yeah. more people involved because you guys are doing some powerful work. And we're going to talk about how do you join the police foundation, whether it be an individual membership or whether it be a corporate membership or whatever the case is, so that you can become a part of these great things that they're doing. We're listening about what's going on in policing and what should be done in the future. Uh, we're going to keep this conversation going on in this last segment. We're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Deutsch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we've been talking about policing. We've been having a conversation about what's going on with policing, but really kind of taking the positive side of it. We've got the D.C. Police Foundation here, and we're talking about about how the community can really get involved in a lot of these programs because the D.C. Police Foundation is working directly with MPD and working directly with the community to bring in youth programs, to bring in internships, to bring in careers, to bring in a number of different things in which they can help out communities and also help people see uh, the police in a different light, help build the trust between the community and the police because it's needed. We're talking to Patrick Burke. He's the executive director. And we're talking to Rebecca Schwartz. She runs everything else. I know she's a director in terms of running operations and everything else, but she's running a lot of different programs in terms of helping with fundraising, the youth programs and everything else. Rebecca, I know there's a couple of things we wanted to make sure we got in here Talk to us about some of the things that are coming up that the DCP Police Foundation has going on. And I want to remind people, you can find the website at dcpolicefoundation.org, at dcpolicefoundation.org. So go to the website, Google it, or whatever the case is, but you'll see a number of programs. But talk to us about what's going on. So every year um, we do an annual award ceremony to really give back, and it's the citizen and business community opportunity to say Thank you to the officers who went above and beyond. So that might mean honoring someone for a life-saving medal, for being the officer of the year, the detective of the year, for closing cases. And we have that event coming up on June 12th. So we obviously are always looking for support, be it sponsorships, ticketing, donations. And um, folks can learn more about that on the website, as you said. They can also email us at info at dcpolicefoundation.org. But it's a wonderful event at Arena Stage right down by the wharf. And it's our day to really say thank you to the officers. So that is um, a big event that is coming up. It's our annual event. And in general, for anyone who would want to consider becoming a member and talking about what your interests are, what your company's interests are, how we could partner, again, just shoot us an email at info at dcpolicefoundation.org. Pat and I will be there to respond and to make sure we partner you up and give you information on the programs. Pat, we got about 60 seconds. What would be the last things that you just want to give to uh, the people about DC, DC Police Foundation or policing? Yeah, I just want to let people know they have an opportunity to make a difference. It's just important to get involved and to learn more if you don't understand. We also have uh, Do More 24. We're partnered with the United Way of the National Capital Area on May 24th. Okay. And they can look up the Police Foundation to help us out there, too. But Get involved. Don't complain about things and sit on the sidelines and talk about how bad things are or how bad police community relations are. You have, Everybody has an opportunity to do something, to learn more, to be an active participant. And the more you do, the more you can shape your community one person at a time. Outstanding. And just wise words to, to close things out. 
dcpolicefoundation.org. Please check it out. You can join. You can become a member. You can help. If you got things you want to donate or you got ideas or whatever the case is, if you want to become a police officer, that's great. But if you don't, there's still ways to help your community. And the D.C. Police Foundation is one of those ways to help your community. So please check out the website, dcpolicefoundation.org. Check it out and get involved. Whether you're a corporate member or whether you're an individual, we want you to get involved. Thank you for both coming out. We're going to have to do this again for sure. Thank you. And we'll talk about Thank more you. about some of the programs. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.